Greetings, this is Pastor Abe. In this episode, I have a conversation with my friend Dan Cole on the topic of birds and birding. I am so excited about this episode. And Dan is pretty much a bird expert. Dan is the Director of Operations at Mount Olivet Retreat Center in Farmington, Minnesota. He is the caretaker and naturalist on site there. Now, if you are like me, and you have an affection and fascination with birds, this will be a great episode to listen to. But first, if you would like to support efforts like this podcast, you can go to our website at EmmausChurch.org and make a donation. Your support is so important to efforts like these. Thank you. Okay, now, enjoy the episode. Oh, I have to show um, you my shirt uh, that I'm oh. wearing. Oh, look at that. Look at all those birds. I see a robin, an oriole, a blue, uh, a blue jay. I see a yellow finch, golden finch. I see a, oh, what is that? There's what a is, yellow warbler. Rather the than yellow that. warbler, that's what that is, yeah. What's the bird that's in flight there? That one's a white-breasted nuthatch. Wow, that is quite a shirt. Makes me wonder why you would ever want to wear a shirt with just one bird on it when you can get shirts out there with 10 birds. Okay, I have begun recording now, so anything you say, I can use against you. You Are you uh, going on vacation soon? Is that right? Well, I was supposed to be on vacation this week to the Smoky Mountain. The mountains are closed down. You can't even get into the national park. Would you later in the interview? Would you be up for a bird call game where I name a bird and you you give the call? So we're doing a stay vacation. A staycation. That one's that white-breasted nuthatch. Okay, are you uh, are you ready? Can we start? A staycation. Um, well, Dan, thank you for joining me today, and thank you for um, uh, getting on this Zoom chat. We're going to talk about birds today, and maybe I start with this question: um, Why do you think so many people enjoy birds and backyard birding? Well, birds are uh, colorful, they have beautiful songs, and they, many of them will come to our feeders so we can actually you know, view them up close. Uh, some people uh, may enjoy birds because they were uh, introduced to them at an early age. Hmm. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, our neighbor had a purple martin colony. And yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like 20 purple martins there during the summer and they'd be swooping down and I was sort of mesmerized by them and it's sort of been always my, one of my goals is to host a purple martin colony but it's eluded me so far in my birding adventures. Um, another experience I had was in fifth grade, uh, our teacher had us do a nature journal for two weeks. So we were supposed to go out in the countryside and just sit and observe nature and then write down our observations. And so between those two things, that sort of uh, 
launched my career and interest in birds in general. Hmm. You mentioned the Purple Martin uh, colony. Do they, uh, do you mind if I just kind of throw this question at you? Do they, I, sometimes I see these like these, they look like almost like white houses and there's all these little holes in them. And they're usually by kind of a pond or something. Is that a, for Purple Martins? Yeah, they're uh, yeah. colonial nesters, so they nest uh, in colonies. Okay. So yeah, those would be the Purple Martin houses and they like to be by water. Yeah. Um, another thing that's great about birds is even wherever you like wherever you live there's all kinds of variety of birds we certainly have a lot a lot of variety of birds here in uh, southern minnesota um okay so some of our some of those folks listening um to this podcast they might be either you know kind of um experienced backyard birders or maybe they're thinking of starting up a feeder to get to attract some birds. What, maybe even this spring or this summer, um, what advice would you give someone who wants to get started with birding in their backyard? If you wanna get uh, birding in your backyard, I would uh, probably suggest starting in the fall. I personally tend not to, uh, I stop feeding the birds in the summer because uh, the food can get contaminated from all yeah. the extra heat and water. And I like to disperse the riffraff, you know, the squirrels and the mice that yeah. come around on your feed. And if you're going to have any vegetables in the, your yard, they're going to be inviting these squirrels and mice to get into your produce and digging as well. So uh, the exception I have for the summer is the sugar water for the uh, Orioles, um, the, a four to one and the hummingbirds and uh, the grape jelly for the Orioles. So that's where I would start if I'm doing in the summer. In the fall, then I would start with black sunflower seeds, safflower, which most squirrels don't like, but occasionally one will develop a taste for them. You know, there's always an exception to the rule. Uh, Niger seed, uh, I haven't found any squirrels that like that yet. Um, and then suet blocks or uh, beef suet from the meat markets and then uh, peanuts. So the, those are the, uh, the main food items that they love. Black sunflower is the, the most preferred and attracts mm -hmm. the most species of birds. You mentioned niger seed. What about those like socks you can get with that filled with niger seed for um, um, goldfinches? Yeah, is that something we should avoid this time of year? You had mentioned, you know, not trying to do too much feeding in the summer where food is a little more plentiful for birds. But well, that's one that you could probably uh, use because it, okay. it it's not going to uh, germinate it. It's all been heat treated before it comes in from overseas. Okay. Because okay. it's grown in East Africa and India. It's not actually a thistle, it's in the Aster family. And uh, the squirrels don't like it, but the mice do like it. So you still have some issues with the riffraff. <laughs> okay, let's talk about those riffraff. When people have, I was just talking with someone today and they were complaining about squirrels at their feeders. What is the best way to deal with squirrels? I think I know your answer, but I'm curious to see what, hear what you'll say. 
the best way is to keep the squirrels from getting to the feeders. I've had multiple, quote, squirrel-proof feeders. <laughs> the problem is the squirrels don't read the rules. And they find a way, whether it's hanging upside down or, or whatever, to uh, thwart the uh, squirrel-proof feeders. I mean, there's some out there that work, but uh, there's quite a few that are, quote, squirrel-proof, or a lot of them won't even say squirrel-proof anymore. They'll say squirrel-resistant, but there's <laughs> always that one smart squirrel that figures things out. It's like buying a, a water-resistant watch. Right. You don't go swimming with that thing on. Exactly. You know, I thought you were going to say, um, you know, get rid of the food that attracts them. Um, so I'm encouraged to hear you say, well, there are some other alternatives if you right. want to go that direction. Um, I don't know that I gave you this question beforehand. Uh, but for those who want to go on, you know, out in the woods or go for walks or go places to to look for birds are there any maybe i did give you this one i can't remember but where would you suggest people could go in this area the northfield area you know um to go bird watching uh, there's several good spots uh, the carlton college arboretum probably be the closest uh, there's the cannon valley wilderness park and if you go now and in the next week you also see an abundance of uh wildflowers i was out there uh yesterday and the spring beauties were just covered like a carpet in certain parts of the the park hmm. uh, there's the riverbend nature center in faribault there's the nurse strand wood state park uh there's the prairie wildlife management area there's two little plots one by denison and one by nurse strand uh area lakes and ponds sometimes provide uh, interesting uh birds and of course, there's the Mount Olivet Conference and Retreat Center, where yes. I work, which has five miles of trails through a prairie, lake, marshland, and an oak hickory forest. And the crown jewel is a, four, a brand new 425 foot floating marsh walk that connects the mainland to an island that overlooks the lake. And then there's wow. an observation platform in the middle of the, the marsh walk as well. Well, that's a lot of habitats, tons of different birds, I would imagine, people could yes, see absolutely. out there. So right. um, a nice plug there for Mount Olivet. I love that place myself. Okay, here's a question I kind of skipped over, but it goes back to our, our backyards. Do you have advice about bird baths this time of year? Uh, if you're near open water, you probably don't need a bird bath, but if you want to put one in, uh, I would keep it shallow, uh, two inches is sufficient for a depth. The only thing uh, as you go into summer you'll have to be prepared for is to replace it on a weekly basis to prevent mosquito larvae from developing into adults. And then a, a dripper or a mister adds to the attraction for the birds if you wanna go to that you know, extra you effort. Do those just, are you talking about some of that just sits inside the bird bath itself? Yeah, some of them yeah. sit inside the bird bath or clip on the side of the bird bath. Okay. Yeah, anyone who's helping to um, increase the mosquito population, they, <laughs> they should just stop it. <laughs> right. 
So, okay, here's a question I'm, I'm interested in. This is something I talk to my father-in-law about sometimes because he's kind of a plant guy. But when, if we want to attract birds to our backyard with flowers or other plants, which ones are good ones to attract birds? Uh, if you want to use trees, I would recommend uh, crab apples, and I would recommend some specific varieties of crab apples because they're not all equally attractive. Uh, the red splendor crab apple, the prairie fire, golden raindrops, royal raindrops uh, are all good uh, crab apples that birds like. Uh, serviceberry. Uh, the birds will devour those as soon as they're ripe. <laughs> Mulberry, uh, mountain ash, and black cherry. And then for shrubs, I would recommend the uh, regent service berry, which only gets about six feet tall. Elderberry, winterberry, the dogwoods, there's red osier and gray around here would be the two most common. And then viburnum blue muffin. Hmm. And uh, drop more honeysuckle vine is great for attracting hummingbirds. And coneflowers, batch of buttons, coreopsis, and cosmos produces seeds that are attractive to seed eaters like goldfinches. And then one other one for the hummingbirds would be a perennial called a cardinal flower. It's a type of lobelia. Hmm. Those would be my recommendations. That's a great list. Um, I, uh, do you know, what are some good resources if someone wants to do a little more digging on, you know, plants, flowers, um, where can they go to learn more? Kind of like what you were just saying, like some of those plants, is there a website or a, a resource? Well, I don't have a specific website. I would just, you know, Google it on the internet, yeah. uh, plants uh, to attract birds or whatever. Yeah. And you'll get lots of choices to investigate. We have a service berry tree in our backyard and it does not take long um, before the like cedar wax wings will come in. Yeah, yeah they love it. And then, you know, when, once they're done, then the robins come in and, and then it's gone. Yeah. So right. first come, first serve. Yeah, the crab apples will hold on to their fruit into the fall, so that gives you a, a wider range of time frame to attract birds. Yeah. Are there any myths about birds or caring for birds you would want to bust? Uh, maybe only a couple. Maybe you've heard the, about uh, not touching baby birds, like if they fall out of the nest or whatever. Yeah. That's a, Parents might abandon them, but birds in general uh, don't have a good sense of smell unless if you're a, a vulture or certain seabird or a certain parrot. Uh, but otherwise, the birds around here, except for the vultures, have a poor sense of smell. So they're not going to know if you've touched it or not. Uh, but if the bird is fully feathered and hopping on the ground, then it's probably just ready to leave the nest and you just have to. The parents are probably nearby and will take care of it. Those I would leave. But if it's, you know, obviously hatched, newly hatched or young, you could put that back in the nest. Mm -hmm. And then the second myth would be that uh, feeding hummingbirds in the fall 
keeps them from migrating until it's too late. So day length and uh, falling temperatures basically uh, send the hummingbirds on their way. So we can feed hummingbirds into the fall. Yeah. And not until worry that we're until they leave. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I actually have heard that one before. What's your favorite bird or what are some of your favorite birds? You, you mentioned purple martins earlier when you were a kid. Do you have any favorite birds now? Uh, I like, uh, I love the black capped chickadees. They're bundles of energy and joy. Mm -hmm. And they're one bird that stays with us, you know, into the winter uh, when most birds head south. So they're pretty uh, loyal in that sense. And uh, also when uh, my daughter was the age of your younger daughters, yeah, I called my uh, Christy my uh, little chickadee. <laughs> so, uh, chickadees have a special place. Also Eastern Bluebirds, I'm a lifetime member of the Bluebird Recovery Program in Minnesota. And they come to houses that you set up for them. And they've made a great comeback with thousands of people putting up uh, nest box for them. And they have a very pretty song. And then uh, when I was a young kid, uh, if I thought if I could be any bird, I would be a peregrine falcon. Yes. Because they can dive at speeds up to 200 miles per hour. And... Several years ago, I was birding with a friend along the Mississippi River, and this great blue heron was slowly flapping its wings along the shore. And in the distance, I saw this peregrine falcon coming across the Mississippi River. And it goes up high, and it dives straight down at this Great blue heron, which is what, what, four or five times its size. And all of a sudden, the great blue heron notices that it's being attacked. And all of a sudden, it changes its wings and, and starts <laughs> flapping for all it's worth to get out of the way. And uh, it, it did avoid getting hit. But uh, I've never seen a peregrine falcon try to take on such a big bird. Wow. I, I read somewhere that one of the um, places where there's the, the densest population of peregrine falcons is New York City because of the abundance of pigeons. Yes, they have a good food source and they have all those, uh, you know, tall buildings that they can uh, nest on. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about, you mentioned Eastern Bluebirds and people putting up houses. If, if someone were, wanted to um, take up that, that hobby, what advice would you have for um, putting up Bluebird houses? You would have to see if you have house sparrows in your area you want to put them. Because if you're not willing to control house sparrows, they'll take over the boxes from the bluebirds. The bluebirds want like an inch and a half round hole and the house sparrows can fit in that, you know, real easy. And they like the same type of nest box. Um, and I would put them on a half inch rebar with a half inch electric conduit slid over it. And that will help keep uh, climbing like raccoons from uh, 
getting to the box, have it five to six feet high. Uh, they like uh, open area. Uh, so no trees within like 20 or 30 feet or more. And then you would just wait. Hmm. We, we had a conversation one time and you had mentioned putting up two, like 15 or 18 feet apart or something. Yeah, you could uh, do that because uh, tree swallows also like uh, the same size nest box, same size hole. Uh, you would have a chance of getting both tree swallows and bluebirds rather than them competing for the same box. Because the bluebirds will tolerate tree swallows as neighbors, but the bluebirds won't tolerate bluebirds as neighbors <laughs> because the bluebirds, you know, are eating brown insects and the tree swallows are eating air flying insects. So that's why the, you know, they'll tolerate each other as neighbors and then they can keep a lookout for each other for predators as well. Hmm. So bluebirds make great neighbors unless you're a bluebird. Then exactly. not so much. <laughs> Correct. They, they like to be at least 100 yards apart. Okay. So distant neighbors. Yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, that's a, that's a football field. Right. Um, well, while I have you, one of my favorite backyard birds is the wren. Yes. I just find them so entertaining, and their song is um, – it's just – it's beautiful, and it's, it's all over the place. I just love it. So I put a wren house up or a couple of them in my backyard, but I'm wondering what advice you might have when it comes to attracting wrens. If you want to attract wrens, then don't expect to attract bluebirds. Right. Because the wrens tend to take over all the nest box in the area and they'll uh, remove the bluebird eggs or pierce them to take over the box, whether they're going to use the box or not. Hmm because the male will often claim several boxes and then the female gets to decide which house she really wants. So they, wrens are not fussy, so that you can put them up almost anywhere in your yard and uh, they'll probably take up residence. Hmm. So don't do a wren house if you like bluebirds. Yeah, it'll be hard to have both at the same time in the same yard. Yeah. I mean, wrens do like to be near uh, brushy areas more. Uh, bluebirds like to be in the more open. So sure. the more you can keep the wren houses in the brushy area, probably the better. But yeah. they will yeah. venture out, especially later in the season, into open areas where the bluebird houses are as well. So I'm kind of hearing you say it kind of depends on what birds you, you want. Right. I mean, there yeah. are certain factors. I mean, if you if you live in a very kind of wooded area or you've got a lot of trees in your yard and a lot of bushes and it's not very open you're probably not going to attract a bluebird um but if you want to attract bluebirds then you're going to have to say uh you're going to have to be okay with other birds not being attracted to the same place yeah the key would for the bluebirds would be just have it in as open area as right. you can and then uh, the other thing to be looking for in uh, May are the big three, uh, the Baltimore Oriole, the roof-throated uh, hummingbird, and the rose-breasted grosbeak. Uh, all just super 
cool birds and uh, beautiful birds that come back. And then in the second and third week in uh, May, you want to be watching for the warbler wave. There's up to 20 species of colorful warblers that pass through Minnesota uh, during the second and third week in May. There's a, been a few that's already here, like the yellow-rumped warbler, uh, but many more will join them in the second and third week of May. You mentioned the grosbeak, and um, are they a backyard bird, or do they stay in the woods? I, I don't know. Uh, well, if you have uh, mature trees, they'll be, uh, oh. that you could get them in your yard. Uh, but yeah, they like uh, more mature woods uh, uh, and the taller trees to nest in. Um, the Oriole. So last year, man, I went through a lot of grape jelly. We had, at one point, we have a, in our backyard, we have a, um, a river birch that, in my opinion, was planted a little too close to the house. However, we have windows that look right into the tree. And so when the Orioles came back, at one point, there were three Orioles taking turns. Um, we also have another um, willow tree. So some of them would go to, the, one of them would go to the willow tree and the other to the, the birch and they would just take turns. And man, I, I was filling that grape jar up couple times a day there for a few days and they are just spectacular looking birds that's for sure how long do the orioles stick around the orioles uh if they're nesting in the area they'll uh stick around through into july but lots of times a lot of the orioles are coming through and they're going farther north and if they don't like your neighborhood they'll just keep going they may stop to get some grape jelly for a few days but then they'll uh, continue their migration or hunt for another more hospitable home. But when they are nesting in the area, they tend not to come to the feeders as much uh, during June. So if you see them drop off, uh, it might be because they're in their nesting phase. Sure. That or they're, they've taken off. Right, exactly. Season. Yeah. Hey, thanks for uh, walking through like what to be looking for in the next few weeks and, and months. Um, what about waterfowl? Like um, any ducks? I know some of them have probably already passed through. But are yeah, there any? Waterfowl tends to pass through earlier in uh, April. I mean, there's some that are nesting like the uh, geese and the uh, mallards now and the teal. But uh, a lot of your other uh, waterfowl has, has come and gone. But there'll still be, you know, some stragglers. And wood ducks nest in the area here, too. They do. Okay. Hmm. What have we not covered that you want to make sure we, um, that gets talked about? Well, uh, if you want some uh, bird books. Yes. Uh, to identify birds, I would recommend Birds of Minnesota by Stan Tequila or uh, the Sibley Guide to Birds uh, is an extensive uh, resource of all birds in North America. It's a little bit bigger if you want to uh, get into that. Uh, my personal guide that I use the most is the Peterson uh, Field Guide to Birds of North America. 
And then if you want to get more specific about uh, Minnesota birds, there's uh, yeah. Yeah. Janet Green and Robert B. Jansen have written a book called Minnesota Birds, Where, When, and How Many. And they're probably you know, two of the top birders in Minnesota, and they've been everywhere and seen everything because there's about up to uh, 422 species that have been seen in Minnesota. Hmm. That's a good list of resources. Thank you for that. Maybe make a final comment or two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so when you go out in uh, nature, you want to look up and down and all around. <laughs> observe birds and nature in general. I mean, every day is an adventure when birding. Uh, yeah, you don't want to take them for granted. When we had that Easter storm, uh, I had bluebirds, a pair of bluebirds, eating at my peanut feeder hmm. for a week. And I have never seen bluebirds uh, at my peanut feeder ever or sunflower seeds or anything else. Uh, they like mealworms if you put them out, but not. I had, so that was a surprise to me. So you never know, you know, what surprises you're going to have. Um, we've had a tufted titmouse here at the retreat center. We've had a Carolina wren here hmm. at the, and, you know, both one-time things since I've been here. Um, Ian, uh, if I may, what, sure. do you think the blue, do you think that, um, that bluebird was, was at your peanut feeder because scarcity of food because of the snow? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Okay. That's correct. Yeah. So at any rate, uh, you know, I think uh, birds in general, if you enjoy birds, you know, they're good for your mental health as well. Mm -hmm. Anytime we connect with uh, God's creation, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's healthy for our mental well-being. And so we shouldn't take the birds uh, for granted. We have to remember that the passenger pigeons at one time numbered five billion the most numerous wow. bird in North America, and we humans wiped them out within a hundred years. So even in the last 50 years, we have lost over 30% or 3 billion of our songbirds. They, they are a gift from God for us to enjoy. And each spring, rivers of birds, up to three and a half billion, fly north in an incredible river of migration. Uh, to North America, and we have a stewardship from God to keep these miraculous creatures not only alive, but also to thrive. Yeah. Hmm. Well said. You mentioned going out, looking up, down, all over. All when, around. When you, all around. When you go out, do you bring a pair of binoculars with you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thanks again, Dan. I appreciate uh, your time. All right. Get out there and do some birding. Yeah. Sounds good. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye.